Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. There is no doubt that today we begin a series that God has laid on my heart for some time now. And so upon His direction, He made it perfectly clear that now is the time to begin walking through His glorious revelation. From God's heart through the Apostle John, as he writes it, we hear God calling you and I as the church to wake up, to get ready, and to be about his work until Jesus returns. You see, God is calling believers to leave fake religion and plastic Christianity. He's calling us To, as a believer in Jesus and as a member of his church, we must realize that God is in control of everything and that he does have an end game. There is a finish line. There is a race that we must run. So with many people claiming that their politicians or their movement or their preferences hold the power to freedom, to your freedom... You must remember that only Jesus Christ has that power. Jesus wins the war. He is the victorious one. But until that day, we must continue to fight the battle. And although John gave this revelation of himself over 2,000 years ago, it still stands today. You see, Revelation is actually a book of hope. Revelation is a warning. It is a progression of road signs. If you've ever, back before they had GPS units and and phones and all of these things to tell you exactly where you are all of the time, you used to have to read a map. You used to have to go by signs. Some of you guys and gals that have been driving for a long time remember that. I even remember that where you had to pull out an atlas and hope you were holding it the right way. But the thing is, is that you would always look for road signs to see where to go next. The book of Revelation is a road sign for believers. And non-believers too, if they would choose to heed it. So buckle up, and let's jump into God's greatest revelation. The first thing that we see is that it's Revelation. It's not the book of Revelations. Don't put an S on it. It is a revelation. This is God's revelation to us through the Apostle John. The revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the book of Revelation is about. Revealing Jesus Christ. We see here in the passage, verses 1 through 3, it says, This is a revelation from Jesus Christ. Some translations say, of Jesus Christ. Which God gave him to show his servants the events that must Soon take place. Some translations say shortly. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then verse 3. This is very significant. I'll tell you why in a minute. God blesses, underline blesses, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for their time is near. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, 
We're going to be drinking from a fire hydrant this morning, all right? There is a lot of information, but I think that you'll, you'll appreciate it. Revelation sometimes can scare people away. Revelation sometimes can let people chase down a, a rabbit hole and kind of get turned around. But, but we're just going to take it verse by verse. And we see, as I said a moment ago, the revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation is a revealing or an unveiling, kind of like when you see these these home makeover things where they say, okay, open your eyes, ta-da, and there it is. They reveal the new house. This is so much more than that, but this is, this is an unveiling of Jesus Christ. Right now, Jesus Christ is hidden from some people. People are spiritually blind to who he is, but one day, just like Paul, the scales are going to fall off and they will see Jesus for who he is and either be blessed or be punished. It says in the scripture, this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. I want you to know by saying that this revelation belongs to Jesus Christ. This is Jesus revealing himself through John. And not only does this belong to Jesus, it is about Jesus. There are plenty of people that like to take the book of Revelations and add so much stuff to it, like it can be a treasure map or it can tell you the future. But bottom line is the revelation is about Jesus Christ. It is from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is revealed as the Son of God. Now, we also see the Antichrist show up. We see the 144,000. We see the two witnesses and many more things. But make no mistake, the main character of Revelation is who? Jesus Christ. And so if you come away from the book of Revelation with anything other than Jesus being the main focus, then you do not understand the book. You see, our world today needs a revelation of Jesus. Matter of fact, you need a revelation of Jesus. The world has fallen asleep at the wheel. You tend to think of Jesus as someone you only call when you have a need, or someone you worship on Sunday and then live the rest of the week like you want to. At times in someone's Christian life, Jesus may seem distant to you. Maybe he seems uninvolved, and maybe even in some cases, Seems to be uncaring. To some people, he might as well be a fairy tale, like the Easter Bunny and all those others that we lump into that category. And to some, he is real, but he is a very extraordinary historical figure. You see, Jesus reveals himself to you because he wants you to know him. He wants to know you fully. He wants to know you intimately in every way. Jesus, he wants to hear your dreams. He wants to hear your problems. He wants to carry your burdens. He wants to forgive you of your sins. And he loves you. The second thing we see in verse 2 is that this revelation can be trusted. See, God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. So we know this. Since God sent it, who is this revelation from? God. Good, you're following along. And who is it about? Jesus. So if you've got two church answers, you've made a hundred. All right? God and Jesus. And so Jesus already proved himself in the way that he left his throne in heaven. He came to earth. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life only to die for your sins and mine so that they could be forgiven. 
My friend, if you believe in Jesus' birth, when Christmas rolls around, whoo, yeah, we're going to have, you know, all the Christmas music and, and all those other things that go along with it and we'll celebrate Jesus' birth. We're all about that. We're all about the crucifixion and, and what Jesus did to save us from our sins. We're all about the resurrection and the power of the resurrection. But if you're all about the birth, all about the crucifixion, and all about the resurrection, you better be all about the return too. Because it's a package deal. And see, some people when they read this passage, especially in verse 2 where it says that he's coming soon, or some translations say shortly, you and I are probably thinking in a linear kind of thought of, well, shortly, I mean, this was written two thousand year, over 2,000 years ago, and it hadn't happened yet, so I think I'm on good ground. But I want you to understand that the way that this was written and the word that was used, it didn't mean like a specific period of time, like five years, ten years, or whatever. The word shortly or soon meant suddenly. Suddenly, bam, and it happens just like that. So don't think because it hasn't happened in 2,000 years that it's not right around the corner. And who's to say that 2,000 years are but a mere nanosecond in God's eyes? We must always be ready because it will come soon. It will come suddenly, His return. So, A proper translation of this verse would be that when Jesus returns, it would be quickly or suddenly. Some people think that predictive prophecy is a waste of time. And what do I mean by that? Some of you have have shared some people with me that you listen to and and other people that aren't here. But always they tell me, you know, I need to check out this person and that person. I normally do. There are people that are far more educated on Revelation than me. I'll go ahead and say that. And there are some people, I've even heard some people over the years, that can dissect this book and they can put scriptures and text all over a chalkboard and draw lines and have arrows point to it and everything else. And then they'll say within a, a, a real degree of certainty, this is when Jesus Christ is going to come back. And hey, if you like that kind of stuff, knock yourself out. But I haven't met one person that has predicted it that came to pass that it happened. Because if it did, we'd all be in trouble. And there are too many people that look at this book of Revelation as some type of puzzle to figure out when that's not the intent of this. This is not for you to know when Jesus Christ has come back so you can do whatever you want to, live however you want to, and then get your stuff ready right before the train leaves. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And some people have speculated even that the world had Antichrist. I remember years ago, it's normally a politician. Back in the 80s, it was Mikhail Gorbachev. Later on, it was some people thought Obama was the Antichrist. Many people think Trump is the Antichrist. I mean, it, it could be anybody that... that that they think, according to their mind, anybody that everybody loves and so few people hate. But i, I got to tell you, those people are nowhere close to whoever the Antichrist is. But it's talked about in here. So, if they've claimed all of these presidential and world leaders have been Antichrist and they've come to pass, maybe they've got the wrong emphasis on the book. Look, I'm not saying we shouldn't have an interest in biblical prophecy. I think that read Revelation and supporting scriptures for what they teach, not for what you want them to say. If I were to approach 
Revelation and say, I've got in my mind, I'm going to make a prediction when Jesus Christ is going to come back. I could probably finagle verses together to make that happen. And I would be as wrong and as lost as a ball in tall weeds. Even Jesus doesn't know when he's returning. The Father hasn't told him. I don't know about you, but I remember back when I was in school, if I found out there was going to be a test, I would wait until like the night before to study everything I needed so I could be ready for the test. But when the teacher just comes up with a pop test, oh, I didn't like pop tests because they popped me every time. I didn't have time to repair, prepare and repair. But the truth of the matter is, is that this is no pop test. Jesus has plainly said, look, I'm coming back. Get ready. Now, it's very important as you read Revelation. Now, if someone becomes a Christian, I'll always tell them to start with John and read all the way through to Jude. And then when you get to Revelation, stop. Don't read Revelation. And then go to Genesis and work your way through. Because Revelation is out there. It is accurate. It is scriptural. And it is inspired But so many people want to take the book of Revelation as a book by itself. But you have to understand, Revelation is connected with the other 65 books. It is not everything else and then Revelation. For example, it's connected to the Old Testament through prophetic writings. The New Testament, from Jesus' own words, are found in the New Testament that connect to the book of Revelation. And John, when he wrote this on the island of Patmos, he is writing down words and he is writing down experiences that he saw with his own eyes. You see, the book of Revelation contains over 500 allusions. Not illusions, but allusions. In other words, it alludes to, or it it relates to text of the Old Testament, over 500 of them. And 278 of the 404 verses in Revelation, which is about 70% of the book, have ties to the Old Testament. So don't chunk out the Old Testament as old and hard to understand. It is as alive and as breathing as the book of Revelation and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and everything in between. And Jesus himself. I've got some scripture references I'm going to show you up here. You can go back and look at them later, but I'll tell you what they mean. Jesus himself says this about Revelation. In Matthew 24, 27, he says, For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Jesus is telling us, this is not some ooh vision that we're trying to figure out. He point blank tells us, this is the way it's going to happen. In Matthew 24, 44, he says, you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Even during the Last Supper, John wrote this himself in his book, John chapter 6, Verse 54, this is what Jesus said. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. John simply recorded history as it unfolded in front of him. So don't think that Revelation is a standalone book. And I told you to underline blessing in chapter three, or verse 3. What we're going to find in Revelation, you know what the Beatitudes are, the Sermon on the Mount, right? You know, Be wise, be meek, be pure, 
be gentle in spirit, all those, the attitudes Christ said that we had to have. Well, we have seven Beatitudes in Revelation, and this is the first one that we see today. You see, it says, God blesses the one who reads the words and the, of his prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says. So when we see that, what we are doing right now, that's what it's talking about. It's saying that when you have someone like a preacher or a teacher that's proclaiming the word of Revelation, just reading the word of Revelation, and there are people there to listen and hear it, they will be blessed. So my friend, according to this beatitude in Revelation, you are going to be blessed this day by being here. Not because of my presence, not because of my wonderful speaking skills. It is only because we are reading the book of Revelation and God is honoring that. The time is near. Christian, you do not need to fear death or Jesus' return because your confidence could be found in Christ. The time is near. There will be no time to change teams when Jesus Christ comes back. There will be no respawns for those of you that like to play video games. There will be no mulligans, all you little golfers that are in here. And whatever else you want to illustration you want to put when it's done it's done it's over complete finished race is over turn off the lights and go home the second thing we see is that all power comes from jesus all power comes from jesus look at verse four this letter is from the from john to the seven churches in the province of asia now we're going to talk about the seven churches later on in our series, and when it says the province of Asia, many of you are thinking like maybe those that are Chinese, Japanese, Korean, those type. That's not the Asia that is talking about here. Back in the day that this was written, the Roman province of Asia included places that are over like in modern day Turkey, over in the Middle East. So this is not Orientals. This is people right in the midst of biblical prophecy, right in the midst of where Jesus was. And then he says, grace and peace to you from the one who is and always was and who is still to come from the sevenfold spirit before his throne. Now, when I read the sevenfold spirit, I thought, man, how am I going to tell them what this means? Well, we'll try to figure that out. Verse 5 says, and from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the rule of all things of the world. What we see here is if you take this passage, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but you see a glimpse of the Holy Trinity. Remember what the Holy Trinity is, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because when it says God the Father, the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, that harkens back to when God's name, they would call him Yahweh. It is his name, Yahweh, where he says, I am. I am everything. And then God the Spirit, the, seven, the sevenfold Spirit. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. If you go and go back sometime and look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, you're going to see seven aspects of the Holy Spirit. So we see God the Father... God the Son, and Jesus Christ. Or God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son. 
he was the first to resurrect, and he is the ruler of all kings, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then verse 5, all glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'll, I'll finish up in a few minutes, but I'm going to go off right here. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you want to leave, you go ahead, but I'm going to go off on this because I got so excited about it when I read this. <clears throat> it says that unto him who loved us, that's what the King James says. New Living's translation says, all glory to him who loves us. So what we see, the very foundation of God's love is found in Jesus' act on the cross. God's love is not based on your present circumstances. God's love is not based on where you feel like you are with Him this morning. God's love is not based on your relationship with Him today. God's love for you was demonstrated on the cross. So if you have those days like I've had those days where I wonder how much Jesus loves me, or if He could even love me at all. The thing is, <coughs> is that we don't need to look to our present situation. We know that Jesus loved us because He gave His life for us. Period. Finito. It's settled. He loves you. What more would He have to do to show you that He loves you? But give His very own life. How do I know that? Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed His great love for you, or us, by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. What I did is I went back to that verse and I just put you right there instead of us. God showed His great love for you by sending Christ to die for you while you were a sinner. I am a recipient of that love. You are a recipient of that love. And if you haven't received that love, you can today. We need to stop picking daisies saying he loves me and he loves me not. Your fellowship may be strained with him. Your walk may not be where you want it to be. But it's not because Jesus doesn't love you. He proved it once and for all. So stop your game of picking daisies. Stop doubting a love that proved itself in the shadow of the cross. You see, Jesus washed you in his own blood. This is the only way this would work. The Bible says that without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus' blood washed your sins. And so when Jesus loved us, it says he also cleansed us. And he made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Folks, we are priests for God's glory. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament where God gave Aaron the job of being the priestly leader of the Israelites. And he anointed the tribe of Levi as all those in Levi the tribe of Levi would lead the folks spiritually and be priests. You realize that because of what Jesus Christ has done, you are a priest. You have an opportunity to lead people and to represent people to him. So when it says that uh, we are priests, 
You may not feel like one. You might not wear a collar. You may not have went to a seminary. But you represent God to somebody. You represent Jesus to somebody. It may be your family. It may be your neighbor. It may be your co-worker. It may be your best friend. I don't know who it is. But you are representing God and Jesus to somebody else. The third thing. Jesus is the beginning, the end, and everything in between. It says in verses 7 and 8, Look, He comes with the clouds of heaven. And everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him. Just real quick, let me stop there and say, when the Bible says, look, he comes with the clouds. I want you to understand it isn't one of those things where he says, hey, man, come over here. Let me let me show you something. Isn't that cool? Isn't that great? Let's just take a moment. No, it's grabbing somebody by the shirt and saying, look, and putting their gaze and saying, look at the clouds that Jesus is coming. We've got to take an active role and be anticipating about his return and get people to cast their gaze upon Jesus Christ. And it says everyone will see him, even those that pierced him. I got news for you. We we know that because of what Paul says in his writings and, and what we see in, in some of, of the other apostles' writings is that they are they are fine by telling everybody to the Jews, they're saying, Look, your people killed Jesus. And historically they're right. The Jews did set up the trial and use the Roman government to help get their will done. But let me tell you something. When it says here that everyone will see him, even those that pierced him, I want you to know your sin pierced Jesus Christ. You were no better or no worse than anybody else because when he died, when his arms were spread wide, and when his feet were nailed to the cross, and when he died by suffocation because his ribcage couldn't support his breathing. He died by suffocation, folks. There is no worse way to die. He died by suffocation, and he did that because he was cleansing your sins. So your sins put Jesus on the cross, and my sins put Jesus on the cross. And it says, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Then verse 8, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is, who always was, and is still to come. The Almighty One. When he says he's the Alpha, the Alpha and the Omega, and the beginning and the end, let me tell you something. That would be like our modern day alphabet. God and Jesus is the A to the Z and everything in between. That's what this is saying. Our lives are not chance or karma or luck. Everything is orchestrated by Jesus Christ. And the Almighty, the Almighty here means the one who has his hand in everything, in your past, in your present, and in your future. So in conclusion, I would just say this. As we read this, Jesus is the Almighty One. He will either save you or crush you. It depends on if you receive him or not. The world is not out of control. I talk about it, and I hear many of you talking about it. And people talk about, oh, this world is just out of control. It's just crazy. It is not out of control. It's out of our control. Big difference. Whoever ends up in the White House after November 3rd and every other policy and, and every other place and every other movement are all orchestrated under the hand of Almighty Jesus Christ. 
So do not fret. Do not fear. Look to the sky. Make sure that your faith is secure and grab somebody else and get them to see the same thing, that Jesus died for their sins so that they could be cleansed because he is the almighty one. Don't let this message of revelation be the one that speaks fear or confusion into your life. May it reveal Jesus to you as your Savior and Lord, as he has been revealed. It's just up to you to believe. The hearts of those who fear the Lord will be filled with praise and rejoicing. But those who live for themselves and for influencers will be filled with fear and regret. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the reading of your word. And Lord, it is my prayer if there's anyone here today that does not know you, that is not right for Jesus' return, and that they don't know that they, whether they would spend eternity in heaven or hell. May they not leave this place. May they not log off. May they not reach out to their pastor or to me or somebody and make sure that today, if the sky were to split, that their future would be secure. Because God, though this world seems like it's out of control, your hand is upon it. May we quit fighting it and embrace it by embracing you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.